This is an oral history of the Lord's move in Plainview, Texas in the early 1960s. It's a story of what can happen when a small group of students love Christ and His church and give their lives to God's purpose in a practical way. The following is a personal testimony from Benson Phillips, one of the original students at Wayland Baptist College. He would later become a co-worker, help raise up several churches in the United States, and bring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee to the Russian-speaking world. The next few episodes will give us more details and perspective on all the Lord did through this group of young people in those days. I grew up in a, I would say a God-fearing home. My father, he got saved, I guess, when he was about 25 or 26. I'm not exactly sure. But anyhow, I came along. My dad, one day, he worked in the oil fields, and he had to go take care of some of the wells. And so it had snowed the day before. And when he walked out, his prints were left in the snow. He couldn't drive. He had, he had to walk that day. And he turned around, and I was following him. I was about two years old, and I was just stepping, you know, like they try to step in those footprints. Anyhow, the Lord impressed him. Whatever you are is what your son will become. And that gave him a great repentance to the Lord. And then he became a real pattern to me. Of course, mom and dad were very active in a Southern Baptist congregation. And for as long as I can remember, we went to the meetings three times a week. No questions asked. You didn't, it wasn't, do I have to go? You just were expected to get in the car and go. The Wednesday night prayer meeting, Lord's Day morning, two sessions, Lord's Day evening, two sessions. This is the way I lived uh, my whole life. And as far as my salvation experience, because I was around the gospel preaching every Lord's Day, I was quite convicted about receiving the Lord. And eventually when I was, I'm not exactly sure the, the age, but around 11, I was so convicted by the Lord. And I even had the Lord come to me in the night. And I realized I was not saved. And it was as if the Lord, I wouldn't say appeared to me, but like in a dream, you know, I knew I needed to get saved. And so that very day after school, I went by to see my pastor. I told him I'm not saved. I wanted him to help me to get saved. So he and I went in. And we prayed, and I just wept and wept and wept. And I remember going out of that room that day. Of course, I'm, I came 10 miles into school. I lived in the country, and so I had, the bus had already left by that time, so I had 10 miles to walk home. So anyhow, I can still remember walking down to get to the highway. It was about a one-mile walk down a uh, uh, unpaved street. I'm walking down that street. I mean, everything was brighter. The sky, you know, you've heard this story, the sky is bluer and the grass is greener. That was really my experience. 
course, I was just a young person, but anyhow, I was a joyful one. And, of course, I, I went home. I think I got a few rides. I don't think I walked 11 miles. But anyhow, I went home, and I was full of the presence of the Lord just at that age. And I knew I'd been saved, and I had been saved strongly, and I wanted my life to go for the Lord's interest. And so I wouldn't say that my junior high and high school years were that much about living a godly life, although it wasn't too bad, it had its other side. You all know, you all were kids yourself. And uh, I got in a lot of trouble with the teachers, with the students, with everybody, and very much in athletics. I just lived for that. And uh, anyhow, I had my experiences. I don't like to tell you very many of them. Some of them were not so pleasant. But anyhow, that's just the way it was. But on the other hand, I wanted to see people saved because I had had such a, an experience in my salvation experience. So I can remember a number of times going and putting my arm around some of my friends and leading them down the aisle to get them saved. You know, I just wanted to see people get saved because I wanted them to touch what I had touched. And a number of my friends got saved. I remember one other one. Still remember his name. His name was Donald Clevenger. <laughs> that was the kid's name. He was the worst one. You know, nobody liked him. And we talked him into going to a camp with us. And during that camp, the, uh, our, the one caring for us got him saved. And I was so excited that Donald had gotten saved. And I remember running out of that place, running onto the baseball diamond. For some reason, I wasn't playing that day. Out into the outfield and just shouting to the, my friend, Donald just got saved. Because I was so happy to see people receiving the Lord. And that stayed with me all through high school. And, and even though I got in trouble in high school, my, I remember one time, uh, I had a surrender to preach. You know, this is what you try to do if you want to serve the Lord. You don't have many options. Anyhow, I wanted to go out and preach the gospel. And I was fortunate enough to bring the quarterback on my team, got him saved and baptized, and, you know, different ones. The Lord used me to get them saved. And uh, I saw him after after about 40 years here a while back, and he told his friends, this is the one that baptized me. <laughs> Actually, I didn't baptize him, but I did get him saved. Uh, the pastor baptized him. But anyhow, uh, it was so good to hear him give that testimony after all those years. But anyhow, on the other hand, I, I, you drift in and out, you know, when you're at that age. And I started, you know, dancing some. Well, the pastor heard about that, and he came to me. I was a senior in high school at that time, and he was very upset that I was dancing. You know, you, good kids don't dance, <laughs> and that's for sure. Anyhow, he made me get up in front of the whole congregation and apologize. And so I remember I got up and, you know, apologized and 
And then I used that as an opportunity to preach the gospel. Even though I was apologizing and repenting and and I got through, and I remember 21 people came forward to rededicate themselves to the Lord. And I was a real dichotomy, you know. Anyhow, uh, still, my goal was to preach the gospel. And so I went away to college uh, after I finished high school to a Southern Baptist University there in Texas and began to prepare for this. But I also wanted to play football. So I went there and tried out for football, and after three or four days trying out, he called me in. He said, well, Benson, you showed us something, but here's what I'd like for you to do. You go to this junior college, and after two years, you come back, and we'll see. He wanted me to put weight on. If you can believe, I weighed under 150 pounds by that time. I don't weigh that today. <laughs> but that's how big I was when I graduated from high school. And this was the Lord's mercy. I said to him, Sir, no, I don't want to because I'm going to stay here at this university and I'll get the training there. Because in me, the other side of me was I wanted to go to the people and preach the gospel. And I wanted to hold revivals. I wanted to do whatever I could to get people saved. And that was really the Lord's mercy. And so I just said no to him. And I started the university there. And I went one year. And sovereignly, I ended up at Wayland Baptist College. And this is where 40 to 50 students came into the Lord's recovery. It had a student body of 600, and 40 to 50 came into the Lord's recovery. This was just a, the sovereign move of the Lord. And so I wasn't there when Brotherly came the first time because I had graduated the year before. But in my last year there, all of you know a brother named James Barber, at least many of you do. He actually became a very good co-worker of Brother Lee. And he and I were very close. But anyhow, he was the student union uh, director that they sent to that school to head up the work among all the Christian organizations. And because by that time, I was president of this organization and that organization and uh, having to take care of so many things, I had a lot of contact with James. So he and I became very close. And we began to read the books by Watchman Nee. And we read all the ones that were out by that time. Set and Walk, Stand, Normal Christian Life, Love Not the World, Authority, and Submission. Anyhow, he and I got into these books. What shall this man do? We read them. We fellowshiped over them. And we became more and more attracted to this ministry. And then I finished up. And at the end of my senior year, many of you have heard of this person in England named Major Ian Thomas, whose ministry is on the saving life of Christ. Well, my school, Wayland, they did something they had never done before. 
and they invited someone who was not pro-Southern Baptist to speak for three meetings. And uh, he was in, in, encouraged to be invited by one I got very close to. I worked under for three years while I was at the university. And anyhow, he convinced the university to invite him, and he came. And by the time he left, many students had been stirred up. And the students that were stirred up was the group that I was connected to, about 50 of us. And we prayed together. We went out to the Southern Baptist churches and preached the gospel together. And we were very close, all of us, about 50 of us. And we all were attracted to that word of ministry. And, of course, James Barber was one of our close friends and associates. And so together we were seeking, and the Lord brought us in contact with the ministry. And that was a great thing. Of course, I was a, a senior by that time, and it was almost time for me to leave school. But anyhow, all of us got together. But my problem was, saints, is I love the gospel so much that even though this had come in among us, it was hard for me to receive it because I wanted to get people saved. <laughs> and I remember one time they had a special meeting of all the Christian organizations, the leaders, and they asked me to speak. <laughs> and so uh, I rebuked the whole bunch. I still remember. And I, one thing I told them, I said, well, what we have just heard is very good. However, I can testify to you that when Paul, you know, was speaking these kind of words, he was putting on his coat to take the next ship out to go to the other places to preach the gospel. And that's what we ought to be doing is preaching the gospel. Well, anyhow, I doubt, I doubt if anybody received my word, but anyhow, <laughs> I had my view and I was strong in my view. Of course, all those years, I was very active in that, that way. Well, my heart during this time, saints, was stirred up more and more and more toward the Lord and toward his way. And I wanted to know the Lord's way. And some others I was with wanted to know the Lord's way. Well, anyhow, I left. That summer, I had the opportunity to go to the Baptist World Youth Conference in Beirut, Lebanon. And the Lord sovereignly supplied me the money, unbelievably, to go. So I went. And on that, that time, I met a person at Baylor University. I was at Whalen College. It was college by that time, which is university now. But anyhow, he and I became very close. And by that time, the Lord had brought me forward to leading me of how to contact God and a group called the Navigators. Some of you heard of those, but anyhow, they were a group that very much emphasized entering into the Word every day, preaching the gospel, contacting people, visiting them after they got saved, and bringing them on in their Christian life. Anyhow, I was very much attracted to that, and this brother was exactly the same. And I met him 
at that, at that gathering in Beirut, Lebanon. And then we came back to the States. I had just graduated and I had intended to go start the, to the seminary. But because some of the monies that I used, even though it was a gift, in my conscience, I just w wouldn't let it be a gift. And so I decided I'm going to work for six months before I start to the uh, seminary and pay back that brother who was actually my uncle, all that he had given to me. What he did, he had a coin collection, and he went and sold all those coins. And there was enough money to pay my plane fare to Europe and back to Lebanon. So I just couldn't, in my conscience, allow that to happen. So I went and worked to make the money to pay him back within about four months. Anyhow, the Lord was very much moving in me in those days. I have to tell you, saints, I wanted the Lord's best, the topmost. Well, I went to the seminary. This was the spring of 1964. And two things were going on with me in my life. This brother had a father who owned a ranch in Texas, and he had a small river running through his property. He had a large uh, building that he slept many people. And he gave that to his son and to me to be our training center, to bring people to, to train them in these points. So I thought I was set. Uh -huh. And I was going to enter into this relationship with him, and this is what we were going to do. Of course, by that time, I was, uh, you know, 21 years of age. <laughs> but I was too ambitious, and so was he. And so we matched each other, and we had, a, we had everything going. But I was in the seminary also. And all of a sudden, a note came to our house. I was living with eight brothers in Dallas announcing that there was going to be a special weekend conference with Witness Lee. Well, by that time, at the college that I was at, that so many of these that I mentioned earlier were beginning to turn to the way of the Lord's recovery. Not fully. Um, but while I was living in New Mexico with my parents to make that money, they decided they wanted to go to Los Angeles to hear Brother Lee. This was in November. So I said to them, okay, you want to do that? I'll let you borrow my car. You come by and pick it up, and I'll, I'll be responsible for getting all of you there. But I, I can't go. And so they went. And I remember my wife, who was not my wife yet, but she was there visiting. And I remember telling her, I will never leave the Southern Baptist. I will be just like Martin Luther. He stayed with the Catholic Church until they were kicked him out. And I said, I will do the same. I will never leave. I, I intend to reform that convention. And anyhow, I had that place that we would bring young people to. And, and I was ready to go. 
And I told her, I will never do this. If these come back and say they're leaving, that's fine, but not me. I'm not, I, won't, I won't leave. And I, of course, I made the declaration. And nine months later, I was at a training with Brother Lee. <laughs> but anyhow, I had no intention to leave. I did love the Lord, you know, in my way as much as I could. I, I wanted to serve the Lord. And I wanted to do something for the Lord. And I wanted to see the Lord's people rise up to live another kind of life, the life that I was beginning to discover. But I didn't want them to do it outside the context of the denominations, particularly the one I was in. Well, I did go to the seminary, and then there were two lines. My brother was one of those that had gone to Los Angeles, been in that conference, and... Like I suspected, they came back and they were all leaving. <laughs> and they were going to start meeting there at the college, Wayland College in Plainview, Texas. Well, it was very interesting. I went to Wayland. I said, well, I know all these people there. So I'd like very much to go see them again and have some fellowship and just be with them. I was one year ahead of nearly all of these. And so... I went to see them. And I believe this is sovereignly arranged by the Lord. That very weekend was the weekend that James Barber went to a place in Texas where Witness Lee was speaking. That was in the fall of 1963. So I said to myself, it's where it's, I should check this out. So I got... Uh, on the plane to go, I checked with my boss. I needed a few more days off. Would you give that to me? And he said, yeah, fine, that's fine. Go ahead and go. So I went, and I was flying there, and I got to the airport in Dallas, and my, over the phone said, Benson Phillips, you know, a telephone call. I thought, who in the world is calling me? <laughs> well, it was Barbara. You know, this was the first time she caused me trouble. Anyhow, I went in and answered the phone. <laughs> and, this, and this brother that I had been coordinating with in the development of this ranch, it was him. And what, it was Barbara representing him. And we had agreed to meet with his father to work out all the arrangements to have the use of that facility to do what we wanted to do. It was, just, it was on the line. And he said, if you don't go, if Benson doesn't come to this, then it's all over. Well, you know what I did? <laughs> I got back on the plane and flew back to where I came from and went home. And I didn't see Brother Lee. And that was in the fall of 1963. So I don't know if that was the Lord or the enemy or what it was, or I wasn't ready or <laughs> I don't know. But anyhow, I didn't make it. And then these brothers and sisters, they started meeting in Plainview. And, of course, the whole school got in an uproar. Uh, there's been nothing like it, I think, in Texas. I mean, it was bad. It was bad. But these saints stood firm. I went ahead and started the seminary in January to continue my line while they were taking their line. 
And then all of a sudden a note comes to our house. I don't know who sent it, who put that note in that box, and who it was to, I'm not sure. Well, I think my name was on it. Well, I'm not sure it was. But anyhow, it was announcing Witness Lee is going to be in Dallas a couple of weekends from then. So I said to myself, okay, I didn't get to see him that last time. This time I'm not going to miss. So I went, me and another brother, and of course I was very much touched by the Lord. And I remember he shared on Romans 8, and the word was very strong on, you know, the human spirit and the divine spirit and learning to live in such a way. And then I missed the second meeting, but I came back to the third meeting. And he stood up, and unbeknownst to me, they had warned Brother Lee, don't speak on the church. You can speak on anything else, but don't speak on the church. You know, that's just the way they operate around there. <laughs> and uh, anyhow, Brother Lee got up. And of course, I didn't know that was going on. But he got up and he asked everybody to open their Bibles to Romans 12. And he told me later, he said, every, every head of, of all of them just went down. <laughs> when he said, open your Bibles to Romans 12, because they knew what was going on. What kind of group was it? Well, it was just some Christians, you know, and they were all closed and you know, interwoven, but they didn't want to hear anything about the church. They didn't want anything to come in to affect their wonderful time. So anyhow, he began to speak, and he, he picked back up to where the meeting I was at, and he shared that, you know, Romans 8 is for life and experiences of Christ. But chapters 9 through 11 of Romans is like a parenthesis. Y'all know this, of course. And then he said, actually, Romans 12 follows Romans 8. And after you experience Christ as life, you need the body. You need the church. Well, they were not happy. But I thought it was great. <laughs> and I think really maybe it was just for me. I don't know. Brother Lee didn't know I was in the, in the meeting. One time I was in Taiwan, and we were with his family. We were all there. And they asked me to give my testimony. And so when I started giving my testimony, I related this experience in Dallas. And Brother Lee didn't know that, that I was in the congregation. And I told them what, what had happened. Well, after that, y'all heard... Two or three times he told that same story back from the podium. But anyhow, I had no idea. I don't know if it was altogether a word for me, but the fact is nobody else got caught, so I guess it was. <laughs> anyhow, that was very impressive to me. And, uh, of course, I finished out that term in the seminary. <clears throat> and at the same time, I'm still working with this brother, on the uh, branch to get it all prepared. We, we had something in our hands that we didn't ever want to give up. And so, in the meantime, I said to myself, I read certain portions of the normal Christian church life. And I said to myself, either Watchman Nee is right and everybody else is wrong, or everybody is right and Watchman Nee is wrong. And I've got to find out for myself. 
And this is, was my be- real beginning of coming into the church life. Of course, this was after I heard Brother Lee. So I made a decision. I, I said, okay, I've got to find out for myself. And so I wrote out 55 points. I enumerated 55 points all in the church life about, about the church, all the speaking about the church, all kinds of different areas. It took me a while, but I went through the New Testament nearly three times, reading through the New Testament, finding all the verses on these 55 points, because I wanted to know whether this was the Lord's way or not. And I wanted to prove Watchman Nee right or wrong. Well, the more I read, the more I studied, the more I was convinced. And within me, brothers and sisters, as I studied the Word concerning the way that we know, I just knew this has to be the Lord's way. Little by little, my heart was turned to the way of the Lord's recovery. And of course, I had the testimony of those 15 or 20 saints who were my very close friends meeting there in Plainview. And we were really close, but uh, and my brother was one of them. So I went on through, and this brother and I went out to that ranch to spend a a few weeks. But what was in my heart was I had to see what this recovery was all about. And there was going to be a conference and training in Los Angeles. There was going to be a month, uh, an eight-day conference and a six-week training. And I said to myself, I want to be in that, but I want to see the church life first. I want to see really what is being worked out there in Los Angeles. So I went out there to that ranch, and I was still reading some other books, trying to decide, how about this way? What's going on here? And is this the Lord's way? Or is this, or what is it? Well, the more I was in the Word and reading some particular books, I was fully convinced that the decision that these saints, my friends, had made was the right decision. And so I went back to Dallas, to that home, to where my friends were. I worked two weeks for a, an agency called Manpower. You know, they you go and you are sent out every day to a different place. Within two weeks, I had enough money to pay for my gas, and I headed out of there. And I wanted to be in Los Angeles for one month, before the training, and just see the church. And so I went by where they were meeting in, uh, in Plainview, and I'd been impressed in studying the Word that Paul, when he was on his way to Jerusalem the last time, had fellowship from the brothers not to go. But Paul wouldn't listen to them, and Paul got in trouble. And I had been impressed about that point. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go by. The church in Plainview is the only church around, you know, 1,300 miles that was trying to meet in this way. And so I went to them, and I asked all of them. I, had, I told them I have the burden to go to Los Angeles, and I want to know how you all feel. Well, you can imagine what they said. <laughs> They were all for it. And I picked up one of the brothers, 
And I went by. And you have to realize, I had never even been into a meeting or anything. But I knew this was the Lord's way. And so my parents, my dad especially, his heart's longing was to see me raised up as an evangelist in that denomination preaching the gospel. And so I went by to see my parents. It was on the way. Now, this is before I've ever been to a, a church meeting, you know, a, a conference or training. But I was so convinced about all the studying that I had done, I had to take this way. So I went by and I told my parents that I was leaving the Southern Baptist denomination. I'm heading out to this conference. And my days of being a Southern Baptist are over. Well, my dad, you know, he was a big guy. He's a big guy. He's about six four and muscular. He just, you know, if he would have risen up against me, you know, I'd been all right because I, I could take him on. But you know what he did? He just wept right in front of me. He just wept and wept when I told him I was leaving in the Southern Baptist. Well, that was hard to take. You know? <laughs> because he loved the Lord, too. And to see one of his sons, you know, his oldest son, doing what he said he was going to do, that was more than he could bear. So anyhow, I had no choice. I knew this was the Lord. At least I felt it was the Lord. So I got back in the car with my friend, and we drove on to Los Angeles. And during that month that I was there, of course, just seeing the church, and I I coordinated with all the brothers to getting the place ready. They were remodeling a house. You know, Bonnie Bray? You've heard of Bonnie Bray. <laughs> we were there together a month, and then we had the conference and training. And I wish I could tell you the story about my wife and how the Lord operated in her. But eventually, she was at the training of the ones that I was talking to you about earlier, the navigators. And she had made a promise that she would never leave that. They had to make that kind of promise before the session was over. But here I am now, and we weren't, you know, we were considering, you know, we might get married or something. But anyhow, I'd say semi-engaged, whatever we were. Anyhow, she wanted to be there. And uh, let me tell you this story. I, I just love it. So she went to the woman and told her what was going on with me and that it might be that we would be married. And he's out now in Los Angeles, and I would like to go. Would you release me from this train? It was unheard of. Well, you remember the story? This, I was going to this place in Texas named Tyler. Uh, it was, the city was named Tyler. And this was Brother Lee's first trip to Texas, and the one James Barber went to. Well, it was in the house of a wealthy Texas oilman, and his wife was a very, very good Christian sister and used all of her money in her big house to invite Christians, and that's where Brother Lee had the conference. They got 500 people in that place. That's a big house. <laughs> one of those Texas houses <laughs> anyhow 
listen to this. This one that was over that camp that my wife had gone to, she had spoken to this sister, and she told that sister, this was before Brother Liv, my wife talked to her, and that lady told the director that Barbara was under that Witness Lee was the most godly man that she had ever met. Of course, they never took this way. But she was so impressed with Witness Lee that when Barbara went to this other lady, she had all that ringing in her about Witness Lee, and she said, I think you ought to go listen to him (laughs) and find out if you're going to marry this guy, maybe. So she showed up, and Barbara and I went through the whole training together. And six months later, we were married. But I like to tell you this, saints. Once I was clear this was the way of the Lord, I made a definite decision before the Lord that if Barbara didn't turn this way and she didn't see what I saw, then the mar- there will never be a marriage. Because I knew deep within me this was God's way. I was convinced. And the more I read the Word, the more I studied, the more I knew. If there is a way on this earth, this must be the way. And I was so convinced. Well, praise the Lord, it all worked out. She got out of that training, and she was in Los Angeles with me, and she saw more than I did, so I agreed to marry her. (laughs) No, not really, but (laughs) anyhow, we, we ended up in the church life together. Well, after the conference, I had never been in a church life, so I went back to Plainview to be with these brothers that had begun to meet. And so we met for about three months together. My wife was at another university. I met her when she was a freshman, and uh, we stayed in contact, and she went to Baylor, another school, and that's where she was. So... There was a burning in me. I got a job there uh, in the place in Plainview. And then I worked three months. But in my heart, there was uh, a desire to go to Waco, which was where Baylor University was, to start the church life in that place. Praise the Lord, we had one in Plainview. I wanted to see something happen in another place in Texas. So after three months, I migrated there. My first migration, I guess. And there was a couple with my wife. And they weren't clear on anything. They just knew that they'd seen something. And this couple was Barbara's good friends. And well, I shouldn't tell you the story of how they... Anyhow, they ended up in Los Angeles at the same training. This was the Lord's miracle, too. But that's another story. Anyhow, we invited them to come, and they came. So those three were meeting there in Waco, and my wife would tell you, she didn't, they didn't know what they were doing. They just, you know, they just were in a training, and they thought it was the greatest thing on the earth, and they started meeting there in Waco. Well, then I moved there. On one hand, to marry my wife. On the second hand, I really, I think the first hand, it was to have the church life there. Second, on the other hand, to marry my wife. <laughs> And I believe that's the order. But uh, anyhow, 
we, we were there together. And then in January, we broke bread with five people. Uh, by that time, there was two couples. That other one married, and my wife and I a month later got married, and so there's two couples, and Barbara's roommate. So five of us, we started the church life. And we began meeting there. And that was my beginning in the Lord's recovery. When I came into town to, to practice the church life there, the first place I was burdened to go was where? To that campus, Baylor University in Waco, Texas, and find some people that I could labor on until they were in the church life. Because I knew if we're going to have any increase, we've got to go to the campus. You know, any meaningful increase. And so we did. And the Lord gave us some. We labored there for four and a half years. And in four and a half years, we had 27. That wasn't earth-shattering. I know that. But anyhow, we started. We had a vision. We were there for the Lord's recovery. And we labored there until we all moved to Houston. But anyhow, I was happy that I had had such an experience shortly out of college. By that time, we didn't have a training. I'd gone to training. Came along too late for me. But anyhow, I'd just like to say this. No doubt it was the Lord's operation to bring me in. I have no doubt. No doubt. And all, all of my days in the recovery, I could never forget all the experiences and how clear I was in those days that this was the Lord's move. And I've, of course I believe it more today than I, I did then. But that was the Lord's mercy to me, saints. And I ended up in the Lord's recovery. Next time on Plainview. You know then what he says to me? I mean, this is just out of the blue. He says, Brother Benson, would you go to Russia? And would you take care of this, 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 and this? He gave me five points. There I'm sitting, you know. I had had no thought ever to go to Russia. <laughs> and so then he lists these points. He said, will you go? Man. <laughs> 